0: Exodus chapter five. Now, as we get into this, I was trying—I was really trying to think how how can we intro this in a way that sticks. And we've been going through this series of talks called "God Is." Everyone say "God Is." And through this series of talks, we've simply been looking in the Bible and asking the question: Who is the God of the Bible? Not the God of modern culture. Not the God of Ephraim Church. Not the God of. Whoever we've created to be, my prayer is that we as a church and that the church, the true church, would understand who the God of the Bible is. And that that is so core, it's fundamental, it's the foundational building block on which we establish everything else we believe. And so as we continue through this, today we're going to be talking specifically about the power of God. And uh, so to do that, we're going to play a little game, because I like activities. And uh, this game is simply called, Who is the Strongest? Who is the Strongest? Now, I know some of you are already getting excited. Does this mean I get to show off how strong I No, it doesn't. But it does mean you listen, and you get to determine what's the strongest. So, here's some statistics for you. Mankind can improve and perform some impressive feats of strength and speed In fact, if you didn't know the world record deadlift Which is simply a barbell with weight that you pick up and come to a standing position Is over eleven hundred pounds And in fact if you go to olympic weightlifting one of the World records in Olympic weightlifting, getting a bar to your shoulders and then over your head is over 550 pounds. Impressive. And when you think about speed, Usain Bolt has been clocked at speeds up to 28 miles per hour. And some of you sitting here are like, that's not very fast. You have someone drive a car and you try to run 28 miles per hour. (laughs) Strongest? Yes or no? Ooh, there's one yes. <laughs> strongest. Okay, how many of you think that's the strongest? Raise your hand. You think that's strongest? If you think that's not the strongest, raise your hand. Not the strongest. All right. The rest of you needed to get into this game. A gorilla can lift two thousand kilograms. That's four thousand four hundred nine pounds. Um, that's over ten times their body weight, and uh, would be about thirty humans. Okay. Strongest? How many think strongest? Strongest? Oh, there's a few more ants. How many think not strongest? Raise your hand. All right, more of you are playing. You're, you're getting into this. A leaf cutter ant can lift and carry 50 times their own body weight with their jaws. That is like a human lifting a truck with its teeth. Do not try that at home. (laughs) Strongest? How many think that's the strongest? Not strongest? Okay. Rhinoceros beetles. Can lift something 850 times their own weight. That would be equivalent to a 65 ton object if a human had equal strength. Strongest? Strongest? Not strongest. Okay. A dung beetle can pull. 1,141 times their own body weight Comparable to a human pulling six double-decker buses full of people Strongest Now all of you are like, no, there's got to be more (laughs) That's actually all the statistics I have, okay There's no doubt that any one of these feats would be enough for us to go, whoa that's strong So we're going to say that On the count of three You're going to say That's strong One, two, three That's But if we can see Listen to this If we can see This kind of visible strength On earth Then what does that reveal About the one Who created it all God Almighty Now Exodus chapter 5 Picks up the story of Israel Everyone say Israel while they were in captivity in Egypt. Now, previously, we've walked through some of Genesis. And we've walked even through, last week, the story of a man named Joseph. Who was one of Jacob, or Israel's sons. Joseph, sorry. Joseph one of, Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. And Joseph was brought into Egypt was eventually placed over essentially everything except the throne of Pharaoh. Well, as time went on, Joseph eventually dies, which you see at the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. And the next Pharaoh forgets anything to do with Joseph and sees all of these Israelite people, which would have started with Joseph's family coming to seek refuge, and decides, you know what, we've got all these people, There are a great number of people, we can get a lot of work out of them. And he enslaves the Israelites to the nation of Egypt. Now, as that happens, the people begin groaning and crying out to God, God, deliver us from this. Deliver us from this captivity. And God hears the cries of his people, and so he appoints a man named Moses. Everyone say Moses. And he calls Moses who had been in Egypt and came out of Egypt running from, after killing another Egyptian. And God appears to him in a burning bush. He calls Moses. He says, Moses, you need to go approach Pharaoh and demand that he let my people go. Now, Exodus 5 picks up the story where after Moses... Attempt to go and reason with Pharaoh, he denies the request and instead increases the burden, the workload on the, the nation of Israel. And so now Israel is complaining, saying, Moses, why didn't you just leave us be? Now, contrast this with the reality that it's these very people who have been crying out for deliverance, and here comes Moses, and he seeks to deliver them, and their work is increasing, so they go, Moses, just leave us alone. And so we pick up this story in chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 22. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, I just want to encourage you, there's one in the pew, it's on page 57, is where we're going to be reading, just so everyone has a copy of God's Word in their hands. And we're going to see Moses plead with God about a specific issue, and then God's response to that is it highlights who he is. And so I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this text. In Exodus chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 22 and I'm going to go through chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people, and you have not delivered the people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Father, as we evaluate this text this morning, may you give us ears to hear more so than what was heard by your people Israel when Moses approached them with your word. Lord, we recognize our tendency to deny your power and deny your ability in our own life situations. Forgive us for our lack of faith, Lord. Help us as we seek to grow as your church, followers of your of Christ. Lord, may you be glorified in Jesus name. Amen. Going to be seated Now it's interesting here that Moses comes to God and says, God, it didn't work. I went to the people, I told them, they didn't listen to me, Uh, ultimately Pharaoh didn't listen and now the work's harder and the people are complaining. So then he gets, you see this in Moses' character, and I can resonate with this because it's so easy for many of us to do. The response from Moses is instantly, why did you send me, God? Why me? Why am I in this situation? God, why would you do this to me? How many of you have asked that question before? Come on, be honest. I know a lot of you have, okay? Many of us have been put in situations, some of you may be currently in situations, where you're asking that very question. God, I'm, I'm trying to do what you ask asked me to do. This, keeps ha- this is happening, and why, God? Why, why have you put me on this course? And God's response here is really powerful In verse 1 it says, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. And he promises that he's going to deliver them just as he said he would. In verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. But what's interesting about this is he doesn't stop there, but in verse 3 he goes on to emphasize who he revealed himself to be to Moses' relatives. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, he appeared as God Almighty. Everyone say Almighty. The Hebrew word for this is El Shaddai. God Almighty. Shaddai meaning to lay waste, destroy, almighty or all-powerful. So what exactly is God saying to Moses here? Moses is confronted with a huge dilemma, and if you go back to the beginning of Exodus, Moses has not exactly been jumping up and down at the opportunity that God has given him. In fact, he's tried to come up with any excuse he can find to have God send someone else. God, I'm not your guy. God, I don't speak well. And each time God says, Moses, and I'm paraphrasing here, Moses, you let me worry about that. You just do what I have called you to do. Then, he goes to Egypt, he petitions Pharaoh, just as God said, Okay God, I'm doing what you want me to do, only to be met with opposition from Pharaoh and Israel. But what God shares with Moses is significant, as it's the first time in Exodus that God says, I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh. Two times prior to this, once in Genesis 15 and once in Genesis 28, God says the same thing, I am the Lord, to Abraham and then to Jacob, both in connection with the promised land of Israel, referenced as Canaan in our passage today. So God shows a consistency here, but Notice that Yahweh, I am the Lord, is not standing alone. Rather, he couples who he revealed himself to be to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, as God Almighty, with Yahweh, I am the Lord. This was not meant to signify that somehow Yahweh was now replacing God Almighty, but rather Moses should have sought comfort in knowing that both applied. That God was both Lord, Yahweh, but also maintained who He was to His relatives, that He was indeed God Almighty, all-powerful God. The two are meant to be seen cohesively together. Now, in all reality, when we come to a word like El Shaddai, God Almighty, the logical question for us should come back to, so what? And so I'm going to say, God is Almighty, and I want you to respond and say, so what? because I want to preface going into the rest of our time with an understanding that we're seeking to understand why this is significant to us as a church. Okay? So, God is almighty. I'm so glad you asked. I want to give you four specific notions that answers the question, if God is almighty, so what? And we see this played out in the narrative in Exodus. And we see this played out throughout Scripture. But so often we read these stories and we go, Yeah, God was so present, He spoke directly to Moses. And we wonder, how in the world is this supposed to provide me any comfort in the situation I'm in right now and what I'm dealing with today and questioning where is God in the midst of this? So here's the first one. If God is almighty... There is nothing he can't do. If God is almighty, there is nothing he can't do. Another way to say that, there is nothing that is too hard for him. Jeremiah 32:26 and 27 says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And this is meant to be a rhetorical question in which the obvious answer in the context is no. Job 42, verse 2. Job recognizes, after he's been through an immense period of trials, if you are in the midst of a trial right now that you just wonder where God is, I encourage you to read the book of Job. Read the whole book and understand the suffering that Job went through, the doubt that crossed his mind as he wrestled with, where is God in the midst of my suffering and my pain? And then he comes to this conclusion at the end, after God has intervened and said, who are you to to question this, Job? And Job says, I know that you, you speaking of God, can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Consider that for a minute. But the fact that he, there's nothing he can't do, not just that nothing is too hard for him, but also another side of this is that he will never grow tired or weary. All-powerful God does not tire and become fatigued by everything going on around us. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not, everyone say not, Faint or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. Wow. Now I don't know about you, but I get tired. I really enjoy sleeping. It's it's enjoyable because I wear out, I get tired, I get wore out, and I want to go to bed. But you know, I don't want to serve a God who goes to bed and lets everything be. The truth, the promise in the midst of all that's going on in Exodus applies directly to us today in that the God who promised to deliver Israel out of captivity has promised that He will not grow tired or weary. No matter how heavy your burdens are, no matter what you are faced with right now today, God will not tire of accomplishing His purposes and His will right now. And the hope in the midst of that is that it means that you will never reach a point where your problems are too big for God to handle. You will never reach a point where all of a sudden you say, I've got to do this on my own because this, this is just something that God's not going to care about. There is nothing He can't do. Secondly, if God is almighty, He will be successful in whatever He wills. He will be successful in whatever He wills. God emphasizes this when He says and reiterates to Moses in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Now you will see what I will do. For with a strong hand, He, being Pharaoh, will send them out and with a strong hand, He will drive them out of His land. God willed and stated, this is what is going to be And he promises he will be successful in what he wills. He also promises here that he will bring the people to the promised land. God will be successful in whatever he wills. Now to emphasize this more practically, there is nothing that is harder for God than something else. Now, that's kind of a confusing statement right off the top, and so this is where my props come in, because I want to give you a visual. So, I need a volunteer, okay? I love that the only people with hands raised are kids. (laughs) Okay? Brayden, come up here. Come on up here. All right. So... Are you feeling really strong today? Yes? No, you've got you to do it with emphasis. Are you feeling strong today? Yes. That's still not convincing. Yes. I need to hear like you're, yes! I'm feeling strong. Are you feeling strong today? Yes. Yeah, all right, that's better. Okay, so we have a progressive lifting course for you right now. So you need to warm up, okay? Stretch your arms. you got to stretch, or you're going to hurt yourself. He's not going to hurt himself. Okay, you're confident. Okay. First feet. Turn around. You got them around here so they can all see you. Come around here. Back up. Back up. Okay. Please carefully lift these cups. All right. You did it. Woo! Yeah! Okay. Come on back. Next thing. This is a 10-pound plate careful. Don't hurt yourself. Lift that. Okay. Oh, okay. No problem, right? All right, back up. Don't worry. I'm not going to get super heavy. No one's going to get hurt. doesn't look too heavy, does it? No. it? It looks like a normal ball. It looks like a normal ball. No, oh, just ignore that. No. It doesn't. T- <laughs> All right, go ahead and pick that up. Okay. 20 pound ball. Careful. All right, back up a little more. This is a 35 pound kettlebell. Okay. Go ahead and pick that up. Nice. Okay. <laughs> no, you're having a try? You're feeling strong? No, don't try. I'm just kidding. Okay. All right, go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Give him a hand. Okay. Now. Here's what I want to illustrate with this. It's a very simple illustration. Every one of us is going to hit a point where we reach our limit. Every single one of us is going to encounter something in this life where we've been okay, we've been okay, we've been okay, and then, boom. This is too much for me to handle. Whether that be physically, emotionally, spiritually, you fill in the blank. There is a line where you are going to max out. And I don't care how invincible you feel like you are, you will hit a point where you go, I cannot do this on my own anymore. Nothing is harder to God than something else. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, What does it mean to us that God Almighty has all the power there is? It means that since God has the ability always to do anything He wills to do, then nothing is harder or easier with God. Hard and easy can't apply to God because God has all the power there is. Psalm 33 Verses 8-12 through says, "...let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever." The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Nothing is harder for God than something else. Third thing. If God is almighty, anyone or anything that resists God will not succeed. Let that settle for a minute. Any one or anything that resists God will not succeed. Psalm seventy-three, verses twenty-six through twenty-eight says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Now, practically speaking, we see this lived out as a warning to Pharaoh throughout the rest of Exodus. And if you continue reading on, you see plague after plague after plague, you would think that Pharaoh would start to get the idea. And yet time and again, he agrees, the plague is lifted, and then he says, no, never mind, I'm not going to do this. And there comes another plague. All the way up to the point of losing his own son. And he lets them go and then changes his mind again and sets out after them to capture them and ends up losing his army in the Red Sea. Anyone or anything that resists God will not succeed. How does that translate into our life today? Is our will, is our purpose, our desire to do the will of the Lord Or is it to do our own thing? Fourthly, if God is almighty, anyone who dwells in God, this is where the promise comes in. Everyone say promise. Anyone who dwells in God, dwells in His omnipotent protection. Now, omnipotent seems like a big word, and all it is is a fancy word for all-powerful. Anyone who dwells in God Now to dwell means to reside To stay rooted in This is emphasized in Psalm 91 Verses 1 and 2 Where it gives us the promise He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty I will say to the Lord my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So how do we apply these truths? We see God reveal himself in this way, specifically to Moses, and then flesh that out to Israel as he goes before them in a pillar of fire, and a pillar of cloud. He parts the Red Sea. You see His power. You see His promise. That He's going to be successful in whatever He wills. So how do we apply these truths? Well, the first one may seem really simple, and yet it's one of the most important. Walk in obedience to God's will. If we believe that God is almighty, if we believe that He's going to be successful in whatever He wills, and as part of that, anyone or anything that resists Him is not going to succeed, then we should have a longing and a practical desire to walk in obedience to God's will. And some of you go, what is the will of God? What is the will of God in the situation I'm in right now? And this may not be the answer you want to hear, but the will of God is plainly laid out for us in Scripture. The Bible, being God's Word, reveals to us everything we need to know about how we're to live. Is it going to give you a walk-by-walk, step-by-step description of how to process through a difficult time? No, probably not. But what it is going to do is it's going to say, you need to be a person who's above reproach. You need to be a person of humility. You need to be a person who strives to become more like Jesus, which should seek us to ask the question, Who was Jesus and what does that mean for me? And the more we dive into that, the more questions we're going to have, the more revelations we're going to see and go, oh my goodness, there is more in the Word of God that I have to work on than I have time to do. And if you doubt me on that, talk to anyone who has been a follower of Jesus for most of their adult life, and they will tell you they are still learning. They're still growing. They're still trying to understand how they can live for God right now in the situation they're in. Read the Word. Second thing, in understanding God's power, believing that God is Almighty God, don't deplete His sovereignty. Now, here's what I mean by this. At the end of the day, we like to focus on one attribute of God at a time. If I have a provisional need, then I want the God who provides. If someone wrongs me, I want the God who is just. If I'm feeling weak, then I want the God who is strong. Rarely do we simply come to a situation and state, I simply long for the God of the Bible. Just because God has the ability to do anything does not mean that He is going to act in accordance with your will. But rest assured, rest assured that He will not act contrary to His. There were people who died in captivity in Egypt. There were people who were part of God's nation who would not see the promised land. Does this mean that God was not faithful? Everyone say no. He will be successful in whatever He wills. So in closing today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask you, A couple questions. What are you walking through today that has depleted your strength? What are you walking through today that has depleted your strength? What is it in the past that has caused you to doubt God's ability to move in the future? Church, I want you to understand and grasp that our weaknesses, our struggles, our pains, our sufferings are not a reflection of who God is. And while that may be the easiest place for us to put the blame, we serve an almighty God who is capable to do anything. And will do everything according to His will. Our weakness is not a reflection of God's lack of power. Rather, it's a daily reminder of my need to dwell in it. That's my challenge to you, church. That we would be a people who dwells, who finds refuge in God Almighty. Knowing that's going to be the only place that I'm going to have lasting strength It's not of my own. It's not of my own ability. It's not of my own power or strength because when I start walking through a progression of more and more challenges, inevitably I'm going to hit a point where I just can't do it anymore. Commit yourself to the Word of God. Commit yourself to longing and seeking out the God of the Bible and dwell securely in His power today. Heavenly Father, as we wrestle with this, I pray that You would reveal Yourself to us as God Almighty in a new way. Father, for those who are wrestling and struggling with circumstances right now and questioning, where are You at, God? What are You doing? Who resonate with Moses and ask the question, why did You send me, God? May You show up in a powerful way to reveal Your will in a situation. But God, more importantly, I pray that you would give us the ability and the perseverance and the boldness to walk in faith, knowing that you are a God Almighty, knowing that you are a God who provides, knowing that you are a God who will act according to your will. Father, may you give us eyes to see that clearly and be faithful to what you have called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name.